Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, the eighth day, Jesus' circumcision. We actually do not know the day of the year when Jesus of Nazareth was born of Mary. However, we do know from the historical record that it was sometime when Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, including Joseph and Mary, who were the lineage of King David. So they found themselves in Bethlehem when Mary, who was nine months pregnant, gave birth to her firstborn son and laid him in a manger. Whatever that day and date, that we do not know, we do know this, that eight days after his birth, Jesus was circumcised and was named Jesus, or in Hebrew, Yeshua. Luke writes, Luke 2.21, And when eight days were completed so that he could be circumcised, he was named Jesus. His name, that he was called by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, two things happened on the eighth day of the baby Jesus' life. As a Hebrew male, he was circumcised in accordance with the Abrahamic covenant sign and the law given to Moses. At that time, he was also given his name, Yeshua, a divinely chosen name conveyed by the angel Gabriel, first to Mary at the announcement of her role as mother of Messiah, recorded in Luke 1.31, and later to Joseph, when he was considering divorcing Mary. Listen to Mary, Luke 1.30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then to Joseph, we read in Matthew one twenty, when Joseph was considering divorcing Mary privately, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Therefore, on the day of his circumcision, he was named Yeshua, or Jesus, and enrolled in the tribe of Judah in the lineage of Jesse and David. There is biblical significance to both of these actions that we will consider. Today, we're going to consider the first one, that is, his circumcision. So first, concerning the practice of circumcision or the cutting away of the foreskin on a male, we read in Genesis 17, verses 9 through 13, God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. 
He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Leviticus 12.2 in the law. Tell the Israelites, when a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days as she is during the days of her menstrual impurity. The flesh of the foreskin, his foreskin, must be circumcised on the eighth day. First question, what did Jesus' circumcision signify? Circumcision was given as the sign of the covenant God made with Abraham. It was given to all of his household in Genesis 17, as we read. So its primary meaning is connected to this covenant. But circumcision was also stipulated in the law of Moses. When a male child was born to Jewish parents, he was to be circumcised on the eighth day. So it functions as a sign of ethnic belonging and of biological descent. The child, by this act, enters into the covenant. The result of this ritual function as a permanent sign in the flesh of one who undertakes to live in covenant with God. Paul expresses this reality when he writes to the church in Rome, I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is bound to keep the whole law, Romans 2.3. But Jesus is more than simply a child in the line of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. He is the one to whom the covenant points. In time, after fulfilling all the requirements of God's law, he would redeem his people. We read in Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And Hebrews 10.5 reads, This is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. That's the New Living Translation. But here it is in the Amplified Version. Therefore, when Christ enters into the world, he says in Psalm 40, verse 6 through 8, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but instead you prepared a body for me to offer. The law of circumcision does not apply to Gentiles, that is to say to non-Jewish believers. It only applies to Jews. Paul writes, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who will be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Galatians 5, verses 2 through 6. Jesus came under the law and lived a life of perfect covenant keeper, the life of the perfect covenant keeper. And what he does, he does for us and on our behalf. His perfect life as covenant party qualifies him to be our redeemer. How is this accomplished? 
Well, the penalty for one who would not take the sign of the covenant or who, after taking the sign of the covenant, transgressed certain laws in Israel was to be cut off, cast out. On the cross, Messiah Jesus was cut off. His life was taken from him in our behalf, in our place. We were joined with Christ in his physical suffering and death, where he also bore the wrath, the judgment of God against us. The result of our being in union with Christ Jesus in God's purpose is that God accepts Christ's death, which is the death we deserve for our sins. Listen to these verses from Paul in Ephesians and then in Romans. First Ephesians 2, verse 11 and following. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with a Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you were saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up. Then from Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Romans 5 and verses 8 through 10. Come with me in your mind to that eighth day in which Mary and Joseph present the infant for his circumcision. Jesus, the infant Jesus, is taken into the arms and he is cut and his blood flows and his foreskin is cast away. This first shedding of Christ's blood foreshadows his actual future shedding of his blood on the cross for us undeserving sinners. Paul calls this the circumcision of the Messiah in Colossians 2.11. So we ask, how do the deeds done by Christ in our behalf become a reality in our lives? Well, the answer is found in Paul's teaching in Romans, I mean, Colossians 2, 11 through 15. And I read, You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him, that's with Christ, and forgave us all of our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with his obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by him. Colossians 2, 11 through 15, Holman Christian Standard Bible. Notice that the circumcision we undergo is not a physical act. It's not done 
with our hands or the hands of another man, but is a spiritual union with the Messiah Jesus in his death on the cross. Baptism does not come in place of circumcision. If this were so, then the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 would simply have asserted this and ended the early church's conflict over circumcision. Also, this passage states that baptism is the outward visible identification the believer has with Jesus' burial and his resurrection. This is done through faith in the working of God, who by the Holy Spirit makes us spiritually alive, that is, regenerates us, and he unites us with the Lord Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. He does that without hands. Colossians 2 speaks to both the meaning and the mode of baptism, however. It is a burial followed by a resurrection service. Because Christ took to himself our judgment and was triumphant over death in all of its forms, we are forgiven of the trespasses, and because of our union with Christ's resurrection life by the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live in newness of life. Believers are spiritually participants in Christ Jesus' circumcision on the cross of being cut off and through their union with Christ brought to visible expression in the burial of immersion in water, the flesh, the old manner of life is cut away and they rise from the water grave to life in Christ for God's glory. Hear Paul's affirmation to the Corinthians and we who believe. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now some of this is captured in an old hymn written by Sebastian Besnault. And I'm going to read it to you. It's five stanzas, but I'm going to repeat each stanza. The first stanza will be in the older or the first translation and the second, uh, second translation. He writes, O happy day when first was poured the blood of our redeeming Lord. O happy day when first began his sufferings for sinful man. Alternate, O blessed day when first was poured the blood of our redeeming Lord. O blessed day when Christ began his saving work for sinful man. While from his mother's bosom fed, his precious blood he wills to shed. A foretaste of his death he feels, an earnest of his love reveals. In love, our guilt he undertakes, sinless for sin atonement makes. The great lawgiver for our aid, obedient to the law, is made. Just entered on this world of woe, his blood already learned to flow. His future death was thus expressed, and thus his earthly love confessed. Scarce come to earth his father's will with prompt obedience to fulfill. A victim, even now he lies before the day of sacrifice. From heaven descending to fulfill the mandates of his father's will. Even now, behold, the victim lie, the Lamb of God prepared to die. Lord, circumcise our hearts, we pray. Our fleshly natures purge away. 
Your name, your likeness, may they bear. Yes, stamp your holy image there. Lord, circumcise our hearts, we pray, and take what is not thine away. Write thine own name upon our hearts, thy law within our inward parts. This has been Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. True circumcision is of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. And so we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Romans 2.29 and Philippians 3.3.